Lamping here, PHRA's Executive Director. Welcome to P4, People, Purpose, Passion, Pittsburgh. P4 is brought to you by our members and sponsors, Latitude and the University of Pittsburgh Executive MBA Programs and Center for Executive Education. We appreciate their support and we will hear from them throughout the podcast, beginning with the University of Pittsburgh Executive MBA Programs and Center for Executive Education. Especially in times of uncertainty and challenge, America needs exceptional leaders to guide our healthcare institutions. The highly ranked executive MBA in healthcare at the Joseph M. Katz Graduate School of Business at the University of Pittsburgh is designed to empower and enable leaders to think critically, make informed decisions, and inspire confidence. Forge your path into healthcare innovation by visiting business.pit.edu/slash EMBA healthcare. In this episode, Marcia DePala will discuss how to create a culture of inclusion and building collaboration based on trust rooted in respect. Hey everybody, welcome to this episode of P4. And it's pretty exciting to have Marcia DePala in here with us, but she's gonna give us a little bit of her background in a moment. Uh, but we'll set the stage, right? This is our first uh, individual guest on the podcast from the legal field. And so Marsha's gonna talk us through the importance of you know, connection and building relationships with clients, but also how that translates to everything that we do in the legal field and across the whole HR spectrum. So uh, get ready for some tips around engagement, some best practices, probably a couple of what nots to do's, what not to do, uh, and we're gonna have some fun. So Marsha, welcome to the show and uh, tell us a little bit about your background and how you got into this HR realm. Geez, I've been practicing for 28 years, and for most of those years, I've been doing HR, um, employment and labor, um, civil litigation, as well as trying to um, prevent litigation. So I got into this area mainly because when I was younger, my parents were both in the House of Representatives. So I got to see a lot of the different laws at a very young age, and I became interested in it. Very, very cool. Uh, both your parents were in the House of Representatives? Uh, they were. They were not in there at the same time, but I, my uh, father was in for 10 years and my mom for four. So yeah, it was a, a, uh, a long piece of my time growing up. So it was very, very interesting. But I have to say, I mean, I also, once I got into the law, I went from just general civil litigation into labor and employment. And I, I kind of gravitated to that because of the clients that we were servicing. We were not only doing, um, you know, the hospitals, the manufacturers, but we were also servicing higher ed clients as well. And that included um, employment as well as Title IX work that we were doing with them. Okay. Marsha, before we dig into some of the questions for today, Let's do a little rewind and talk to us a little bit about your, your background, where you grew up, where you went to high school, college. Oh, um, I'm a Penn State <laughs> fan, so we might, uh, you know, differ a little bit there. We'll get past it. That's okay. Uh, but where, where'd you come from? Well, I'll tell you, I'm originally from Johnstown, Pennsylvania, which is in Cambria County. Mm -hmm. um, I have, you know, I'm the youngest of seven children. So, um, the baby of the family. I have two teenage boys now, and you'll be happy to know, although I graduated from the University of Pittsburgh, and that's where I met my husband, that my oldest son goes to Penn State. So there you go. 
<laughs> there we go. Love that. And now with, with Steptoe and Johnson, you're uh, downtown in the office down there? Yes, I'm in the Pittsburgh office and I've been working with Steptoe and Johnson for about 10 years. And prior to that, early on, I started with the uh, Pennsylvania Office of Attorney General. I was there for about 12 years and then I went into private practice. So as I said before, I've been out 28 years and don't like to admit it, but there you go. Can only imagine this, the stories you've seen and uh, some of those different uh, experiences and situations that you've been uh, able to to navigate through. And you know, kind of that's that's the next question, right? The biggest trends that everybody's facing. So as you're working with your different clients and you know in these other conversations, Marsha, what are some of the biggest trends? Maybe just the top one or two uh, in this HR uh, kind of environment today. So I'm going to throw out there because it's on the the client alerts, I think in the last uh, week or so, but the FTC proposed a non-compete ban. Um, of course, there's probably gonna be many challenges to that as to whether or not it's constitutional, but it's still out there and the clients wanna be aware whether or not the non-competes that they entered into in prior years are going to be upheld or if they're gonna to have to revisit that. Um, so that's one of the big things I think coming up this year there's also issues with regards to independent contractor. The, the, there's proposed rules and regs that would go back to the totality of the circumstances there. And that confuses a lot of the employers because, you know, if you, if you are an independent contractor, you don't fall under the FLSA. But if you're not, then you're an employee and you might be entitled to some double back pay if you're not being paid correctly. But I have to say what I think the biggest issue is, and maybe not so much in the headlines right now, but what I see with the employers is more mental health. And I talk a lot about this um, out and about, but it, it is true. I mean, I got maybe, you know, five to 10 calls uh, within the last three weeks with regards to mental, mental health issues. And what I mean by that is that there's ADA coverage potentially, right? So if it's a mental impairment and it falls under the ADA, the employer wants to know, what am I supposed to do here? What type of accommodations am I supposed to uh, look for? And the biggest accommodation I see or being asked for right now is remote work um, or maybe doing some type of hybrid work in, regarding um, employees that might have to see their doctors or maybe that they need some time off, right? They have these uh, maybe anxiety. So they want to take some time where they're actually in their home working remotely versus um, having to come in the office every day. So those are things that I have to walk through the employer, make sure that they know um, what an actual serious mental illness is and if it's covered under the ADA and then what they need to do if they should accommodate or walk through the process to see if they should accommodate. I have a myriad of questions that <laughs> span from, from those pieces. We, we might have some time at the end to dig into them a little bit more, sure. uh, but you, you got me excited whenever you talked about some remote work and some hybrid environment. I like to call it a WFX, right? Work from anywhere. And that's the world that we're living in, right? Uh, and and culture is a big piece of our success in any of these organizations. So have you seen some things where people, while not all working in the office, um, how can we uh, positively influence remote culture in this new world of work? 
Well, that's a, that is a big question, right? So I think that, you know, remote culture allows for the flexibility, right? It allows for work-life balance, but you also have to make sure that the employee is working when they say they're working. And so you have many benefits for the remote work. Of course, it's a recruiting tool for some, so you can attract new employees. Um, it can help you with nationwide hiring, because if you are, uh, let's just say a New York City law firm, you might be able to pick up someone from you know, West Virginia or Ohio um, at lower market rates. But I think overall, you wanna look at whether or not you can retain that employee, make sure the employee's you know, productive, loyal, you know, morale also is a, is a benefit to allowing it, but you also have to make sure that they, um, if they're working, um, let's just say in Hawaii, yes, it's beautiful there, but is that realistic if you have to be in court on a Thursday, right? So it doesn't always work for everybody. And that's where the employers have to actually put together a policy to make sure that it is working the way they need it to work, right? So there are challenges. Um, I'm sure we've seen them um, not only through, you know, the growth when COVID happened, um, but there's challenges now because people want to work remote. They want to, um, if not totally remote, work hybrid, right? So you're, you're going to figure out whether or not you need to track their time. Some people have to track time under the FLSA. While as attorneys here, like we have billable time, so it's not necessarily as an issue, right? You have to, you can see if somebody is uh, working or not, but others you might not be able to. And you wanna make sure that they're working the hours that you need them to. So if you need nine to five versus somebody can work from one to, to nine at night, you have to let them know ahead of time what would work for your business, right? And I'll have to say the, the other issue is the confidential information. So even if you have somebody, and again, I'll use Hawaii, that's working in Hawaii, you have to make sure that if you're transferring files over the internet, everything's confidential. And not only then, but also in their home, right? You don't want um, the husband or the wife or the um, babysitter to see confidential information from your company. So you have to be careful there. And I'm not going to go into all the tax issues that might occur with working remotely. Um, that would take up probably three hours. But again, I think remote work is beneficial for employees and employers. You just have to set those policies in place. Setting the expectation up front. Yeah, just like any mentoring relationship as well, right? Hey, here's what we're going to do. Here's how we're going to do it. Does that work for you? And just like you said, right, maybe yes, maybe no but we at least go in with those expectations right from the start. Quick question, does your firm uh, hire remote uh, talent outside the Pittsburgh area? We do have a remote uh, work policy as well as a hybrid policy. And there are some differences depending on how long um, you're here and what job you're in, right? So um, attorneys, of course, we, we put a, um, one of our new associates that just came out of law school working remotely, um, we want them to gain some experience and also have a mentor and learn the, the you know, the law from um, someone that's more senior. But um, yes, there is the ability to work both uh, remotely full time as well as a hybrid policy. And it, and it will depend on what um, you're in. If you're in litigation, obviously, you need to be coming in to go to court. If you're not, um, you may have a little bit more flexibility depending on um, you know, your work hours and what your assignments are. But yes, we do offer that. And I was actually on our committee that implemented that policy. And it is, um, as you can imagine, because we are attorneys, we have a very thorough policy with a, 
um, the expectations and the responsibilities laid out there. And if those expectations and responsibilities aren't met, then you have uh, the ability to pull back on that and not uh, have someone do remote work or hybrid. Wow. All right. So quick plug, if there's anybody in the legal field that's looking for a uh, uh, opportunity for some remote hybrid work, not immediately out of law school, but as you continue to grow and get the support structure around you, check out Step, Step Toe and Johnson. Um, so, so you talked a little bit about the, the mentorship. And you talked about really uh, connecting with people and setting them up for success and giving them, excuse me, and giving them those experiences right from the start. So uh, I'm guessing throughout these 28 years, right, working at a couple of different firms, right, supporting uh, folks across the state of Pennsylvania, uh, you've given a little bit of professional guidance and you've received some professional <laughs> guidance, right, clearly. Uh, you know, PHRA is very grateful of your support. Um, so, you know, Marcia, can you share a couple of tips um, whenever you're giving or receiving professional development advice? Sure. And I think, you know, it goes both ways, right? If you're giving it, you should be doing it yourself. And, and I always thought just to use your strengths. So don't be somebody that you're not, right? Whatever you're best at or whatever it's unique to you, that's what you want to concentrate on. You don't have to reinvent yourself. And I don't, quite frankly, I don't think anybody wants you to reinvent yourself. You want to make sure that, you know, whatever path you're choosing, it's your path, right? So if you're outgoing, then you maybe become a team member, right? And, and move forward that way within the firm or within the business. But you just want to make sure that you're true to yourself. And, and that goes, I think, hand in hand with being realistic and, and setting your goals so that you can achieve them. I've often seen people that put in, you know, eight different goals and they're going to achieve them within two months. And I'm like, yeah, well, maybe you should rethink what's important to you and then try to do those first and then go to the next set. But overall, you know, I would say if you are true to yourself and people see that they're going to trust and depend on you and that's how you're going to move forward. Right. So you don't want to be, like I said, somebody that you're not. Uh, relationships are key uh, to any business, to any employment. And that's what people want to be able to do. Trust you. They want to build a relationship with you and trust you. Um, and I think, you know, everybody communicates in their own way. And you want to make sure, you know, I'm looking at this more from an attorney, but you want to be confident in yourself. Um, and your positions, right? So no matter what it is, if you're giving something to the partner that you've you know, written a brief, you want to make sure you're able to explain it to that partner. Um, if you're in a meeting, you want to be confident as well. But I want to say this, and, I, and I'm going to say it um, in a nice way. I want you to be confident yet humble, right? So I don't want you to be arguing with people um, because they have different ideas or opinions than you have, you should be open to those opinions and ideas, but you should also be able to communicate why you might disagree with them. So I think overall, again, it's just to try to be yourself. And that was, um, I guess, 28 years of, of practicing law. That's what I've always tried to do. So a big piece of that is around trust, right? You mentioned that word a couple of times, and it seems like that vulnerability uh, do what you say, say what you do is a big piece of it. And I read something recently around humility is not thinking less of yourself, but thinking of yourself less, right? 
And so in, interesting take that that might have even been at church or something. Um, but it's it's a way that we can we can apply these concepts, you know, whenever we're having a, a business conversation, whenever we're talking with a mentor, whenever we're talking with somebody else, and the the, the just being real, right? What, what did you say here? Right? Don't be somebody you're not and play to your strengths. Right. If you are somebody that's really good in court, then, OK, maybe I, if you want to learn more how to do this. OK, come and talk to me about it. Right. It's absolutely huge. So any other things as we go down that rabbit hole a little further on the trust side, Marsha. Right. How else to build trust with those individuals? Uh, and let's maybe even break it down even further. Right. You have, have been there for a little bit. Right. And uh, a new attorney is coming in, maybe right out of, of uh, law school. Right. And so they're a new employee. How are you going to build trust with them? How are they going to build trust with you? Yeah. And you know what? I've always treated people. I hope I've always treated people with respect. So where we have somebody that's new out of, of law school, I'll try to include them as much as possible. Right. So they can learn um, from what I do, but also learn from others. So instead of having someone that's out of law school and you just give them an assignment and let them on their own in their office, I would think that you would want to bring them out and about, meet your clients, right? Um, go to various events with you um, and show them how you um, interact, right? And how they can trust you and your judgment um, and be there for them, right? And they'll, they'll be there for you as well. So I've always tried to create um, some type of, of mm, I'll say compliment each other when we're going out, um, whether it's business development or otherwise. And, and I like that. I, so some of the younger attorneys I'll have do speaking engagements with me. Um, we may go, um, you know, for PHRA or we may go somewhere else. And um, that helps, I think, because you have to trust each other when you're building that team and you have to trust each other when you're giving a presentation, right? So pick up where the other one might not be able to um, explain something or somebody fumbles, then you want to pick up the ball and run with it. So I think trust is built in several different ways, but but more importantly, I think if you build that, I'll say a friendship um, or teamwork that you'll gain that trust. Create a complementary culture of inclusion to build collaboration based on trust rooted in respect. That's what I got out of, out, out of that one. And, and it's, it's, it's huge. And you're like, well, hold on. I'm, I'm not in the, the legal field. I think you can still apply that, right? Hey, I'm in manufacturing. I'm in a blue collar role. You can still apply all those principles. And it's, it's so cool to hear you say that. Right. And I love the piece of, hey, bring people together. No more of this alone together. Right. You're over there in your office. I'm running out to, to a meeting. And, and, and there are certain uh, different um, industries, we'll say, right, where there's a larger age gap of experience. And sometimes there can be a lot of, uh, hey, you, you, you got to put in your years of experience and grind and grind and grind before you can have any of the fun. Uh, I was in defense contracting and you saw a little bit of that. So to hear uh, your fresh take on the inclusion, right, for this engagement and just on the job experience, on the job training, right? Do they teach you those things, right? Those interactions in law school? I don't think it's possible, right? You get some of it, but I think I think it's huge. Any other pointers you'd add in on the kind of piece of in inclusion and as that might you know, spill over into, you know, d diversity and equity as well. It's a, a pretty hot topic right now. And you, you started to get into it, Marsha. Yeah, I think um, 
so a lot of different things. I think that if you have the the trust, the inclusion, um, not only helping you with you know building your team, right, um, having honest feedback with your team, and doing all the the collaboration that you need to do, um, it all spills over into the the workplace environment, right, and and the impact that somebody positive or negative can have on diversity and inclusion. Um, I mean, I just try to stress that whoever it is that um, is working with you, you want to be open and welcoming, right? You want to have create meaningful opportunities, but it does go back to respect, right? You want to, everybody needs to respect each other. They need to recognize and, and learn about different people's cultures. Um, you know, there's an implicit bias, I think, you know, regardless of how you grew up. So you have to be aware of that. And if you're aware of it, then you can um, interact with people of different cultures regardless, and you value the, you know, people with different cultures than you, uh, different backgrounds than you, right? And by doing that, you're adding value to not only um, the business, the, the firm, uh, the company, but you're va adding value to yourself. You're actually bringing um, yourself into um, a, a different area that you might not have expected. And I think that you'll get a lot of pos positive um, interactions, positive uh, feedback, and just a positive overall um, life experience by doing that. It's, it's an interesting point of the interactions are paying it forward. Right. And that's one of the reasons that that latitude exists. Right. Connecting people inside of organizations, a company that I started and it can be up, down and side to side. Right. Just because you're engaging with and mentoring somebody that's younger than you doesn't mean that there's going to never be that flare of reverse mentorship where you're learning from them. So so what would you say right there? Right. Honest feedback and, you know, be open and welcoming. That's the basis for that trust and respect, right? Without those pieces, we can't do that. And then also your peers, right? It doesn't have to be somebody that's above you or below you. You'd say, hey, you know, you got a couple of decades of experience. Let's let's talk through this, right? Those accountability partners, right? You mentioned at the beginning of this, mental health is a big concern. How do you just check in with those different people and say, hey, Marsha, I know the boy, your son is going to Penn State. This might be stressing you out a little bit, right? <laughs> Maybe it's making you super excited, but are, are you doing all right, right? And the, the piece of, you know, he's no longer at home, right? So it's some of those pieces at work and outside of work. And you might say, wait, hey, I, I want to keep work stuff at work and outside stuff, you know, out, outside of work. That's okay, right? But to be there and be open and to be welcoming and the, you know, greeting people with a smile goes, goes a long way. I don't care what field you're in. So thanks. Thanks for sharing that, Marsha. Are you ready for the, uh, the quick fire uh, question uh, answer piece? Sure. <laughs> <laughs> so we'll start uh -oh. off with a, an, an easy one, which is a, a book, right? So if you think of a book that you're currently reading that anybody across the PHRA and beyond community might benefit from, or a book that you've read that you're like, man, this is always on my, uh, my to read list, always recommending it. All right, so I'll do the appropriate one <laughs> for the, um, so recently I read The Seven Habits of Highly Effective People. Um, I did like the book, but I have to, you know, and, and people can read that for their themselves and see whether or not they like it. But I have to say, I always go back to, and this is a book I've read, and I read it recently after law school, because I'm a big uh, John Grisham fan, and it was The Rainmaker. So I say that because being an attorney, it was, um, eye-opening, right? Getting out of law school and 
you know, they had that you had a young attorney there that won this huge case um, against a um, insurance company, and then it went bankrupt. So it taught me that even if you are, um, I guess, doing everything right, right, you handle all the obstacles that you might get thrown a little bit of a, uh, I don't know, a curveball at the end, and it's how you actually deal with it, I think. And that, that's what kind of kept me through. Whenever you get a little curveball, you have to figure out um, what you want to do with it. Or some people say, you know, turning uh, lemons into lemonade. So yeah, so I always loved John Grisham. So that's what I would throw out there. Cool. The next one's about advice that you would give a younger Marsha. Um, and maybe that's some of the advice that you just shared there. But, you know, you're we're re rewinding, you know, 10, 15, 20, 25 years. What advice would you say? Hey, younger self, here's what I wish you would know sooner. Yeah, I, it goes back to like the the overall advice. And it's just to stay true to yourself. Right. Don't um, don't try to be somebody that you're not. And and I think people recognize the fact be genuine, I guess, is that be genuine. Be genuine. Okay. Last one. And this is a new one that we added in in this season is a, a fun desk toy uh, that you have or that you've seen, right? I don't know if you have, you know, fidget spinners or, you know, sand timers or other things like that. Squishy, this, that, the other thing. Uh, what, what, what do you got? What have you seen? Anything so, fun? I have to tell you, I'm going to pull this out. <laughs> oh, yes. <laughs> so they got this for me because I always, I shouldn't say this, but I always say Serenity Now from Seinfeld. So this is like a little button. <laughs> so um sometimes when you get a little bit um I, i'll say uh, a little bit too much to handle you might want to hit the button <laughs> yeah i i love it well marcia thanks so much for talking us through uh your, your journey and your experience from from johnstown to pittsburgh and a couple of the different buildings uh around town and it, how it really comes down to just building that trust building respect and being genuine so Thank you on behalf of the P4 podcast and the PHRA family for joining us today. Well, thank you very much. People do matter. And at the end of the day, we cannot get any work done if we don't have the right people in place. Are your people connected? Latitude is the one-stop shop people connection software platform. Our software workshops and programming facilitate new employee onboarding, manager 101s, stay interviews, mentorship programs, and peer networking to increase retention, engagement, satisfaction, productivity, profitability, and happiness. Imagine a technology that intersects your calendar with LinkedIn, Zoom, Google Docs, and your CRM. Contact Latitude today to schedule a conversation. The PHRA P4 podcast was created to help build HR readers through discussions with thought and business leaders on the most critical success factor of any business, its people. If you enjoy an episode, please help us spread the word by subscribing to the podcast and providing us a rating. We would love for you to take a screenshot of the episode, tag PHRA, and share it with your followers. Until next time, thank you for